powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what... Victory Christian Fellowship. We are so glad that you're here this morning. If you're able to watch us online, we just welcome you. And uh, we give God glory. It is our joy, honor, and privilege to be connected to God. Oh, Father, we are so grateful and thankful for your goodness. Lord, your goodness overflows in our life. And we just bless you and lift your name in this place today. And we thank you, Lord, for filling this place with your presence and your glory. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Joseph, you've been made new. You're a new creature. You got a new feature. You got a new way of living. You got a new anointing. You got a new start. Hallelujah. You got a new life. Glory to God. God makes all things new. Why, He's a creator. He loves to come up with something different. Now, our enemy, He can't create. But God can create. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we give you thanks and praise that this is a house of joy. And the joy of the Lord overflows in this place. There's a joy that the world can't take away because it didn't give it to us. It's the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Break it off Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Our God's a joyful God. He laughs at atheists. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we come before you today. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us joy unspeakable and full of glory. And Lord, we also thank you for your voice and how you speak to us because we are here listening to you. As you give yourselves fully to me, I will give you my fullness to you. And I will cause you to overflow. I will generate a spark and a fire that will consume you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. We're going to take some time out today and celebrate communion because we have an awesome, incredible event coming up next weekend. And the following weekend, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So uh, we're going to take communion today as a family. I'm going to give you the ingredients today on how to pass from death to life. You know, God gave us a way to pass from death to life. And if you want to turn to it, you can go to John chapter 5 and verse 24. The Gospel of John chapter 5, verse 24. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word 
and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. How many has passed from death to life? Amen. I was dead in sin, but I'm alive in Christ. Hallelujah. I was dead in my own works, but I'm alive in his kingdom. Hallelujah. Well, in order for you to pass from death to life, you need a lamb. But not just any lamb, a male lamb, without spots, without blemish, perfect. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is the lamb. When John saw Jesus coming to the Jordan, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the, he is the male lamb. He is pure, spotless, sinless. Hallelujah. He is the only one qualified to rescue us from sin. So we got a lamb, right? And then we needed to take that lamb and roast it in the fire. I'm telling you, the crucifixion was the fire. He went through the fire. Amen. And he was roasted, but he came out. The fire couldn't stop him. The fire couldn't conquer him. The fire couldn't deter him. He came out of the fire. He rose again. And then we need some bread. If you're going to pass from death to life, you need some bread. Well, Jesus answered that too. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the living bread. I am the bread that came down from heaven. And when you part, when you take one bite of this bread, it'll, it'll, it'll activate life in you. It'll activate health in you and strengthen you. Hallelujah. And then, uh, if we're going to pass from death to life, we need to have some bitter herbs. Amen. Sin was our bitter herbs. Hallelujah. Sin enslaved us. Sin captured us. But someone came along and freed us from the dominion of sin. Broke sin's chains. Opened sin's doors. And we are no longer bound by sin. And then if you're going to pass from death to life, we got the lamb. We got the bread. We got the bitter herbs. Then you got to have some blood. You know, because you kill that lamb, right? And when you kill that lamb, blood's going to be shed. Well, the Bible says this in uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Hallelujah. Verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of good things to come. He's got good things coming. He entered the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not a part of this uh, material creation. He went once and for all into the holy place and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, having obtained and secured an eternal redemption for all that believe in him as savior. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a burnt heifer is sufficient for the cleansing of the body, how much more will the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit willingly offered himself unblemished, that through that eternal Holy Spirit, um, that, that is with, without uh, moral or spiritual imperfections, as the sacrifice to God cleanse your conscience from dead works and lifeless observance to serve the ever-living God. Hallelujah. We have been purchased with the blood of Christ, the precious blood. Hallelujah. The costly blood. So we have all the ingredients to be able to pass from death to life. And we celebrate passing from death to life by partaking of elements. And these elements are a picture of the price that Jesus paid and the sacrifice that he made. They're a picture of his broken body. You know, blood doesn't come out unless your body's broken somewhere. Right? And when they tore his skin, his blood flowed out. And there is a pure blood from Emmanuel's veins that are still flowing today. It can wipe all the sin away. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood. So we got the lamb, we got the bread, we got the bitter herbs, and we got the blood. And we're supposed to take that blood and apply it to our hearts, to our bodies, and to our minds. Three parts, right? And when you're covered in the blood, how many are washed in the blood? Yeah, we we are a blood-bought church. Hallelujah. Jesus bought us with his blood. He purchased us. And our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Didn't intend to be so rowdy on communion, but hey, it's the greatest thing that Jesus ever did for us. Amen. No one else could have done it. No one else was qualified. Only Jesus could do it. Hallelujah. And he did it. Thank God. He did it. He was glad to do it. He was full of joy to do it. He gave his life. He said, you don't take my life. I lay it down for you. It's a gift. It's a sacrifice. He paid the ransom. Hallelujah. And our captor had no choice but to set us free. Glory to God. I said to the captor, see ya, not coming back here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, you better get your elements before I take off here. Go ahead and get your elements in the back there. And we're going to celebrate this wonderful meal together. Hallelujah, and we're going to pass. We're not going to pass kidney stone. Well, you might, because you can get healed. But we're going to pass from death to life. We're going to pass from sickness to health. We're going to pass from poverty to prosperity. We're going to pass from weakness to strength. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm excited. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to give you what God gives to me. I'm excited about serving Jesus. I love gathering with the saints. I love being around people of like precious faith. Hallelujah. When you have trouble out in the world, you can come and share your story and we'll pray for you. We'll lift you up. We'll encourage you. You're not alone. We're in this thing together. Hallelujah. My goodness. 
And so we've only just begun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus did some things. He was having this supper. It was called the Last Supper because it was before he was going to the cross. And so he spent quality time with his closest friends on earth. And when they were, when they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it. He said, take eat, this is my body, which is given to you. And then he took the cup, knowing that it represents his blood that was about to be shed. And what does he do? He gives thanks. He gives thanks. He took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which ratifies the agreement and is being poured out for you. Let us drink. Hallelujah. And let us rejoice for what the Lord has done for us. The price that he paid, the sacrifice made. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. You've been made free. You've been made free. You've been healed. You've been saved. You've been called, anointed, and appointed. Now go and be about the Father's business. What's that business? Building his kingdom. Every one of us have a section of kingdom to build. It's our sphere of influence. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. We're going to make our confession. We got a brand new confession. And uh, this confession is about being fruitful and the harvest. Amen. How many know God wants us fruitful? And he promises to us to have a harvest. Amen. Amen. So let's make uh, this confession of faith. God's kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. Seeds are powerful tools that bring increase and produce harvest. God has empowered us to be fruitful and multiply. Our God is good to us. And his blessing causes the earth to yield its harvest for us. We purposely plant our seed in our good ground, and it grows, ripens, and we reap its return. We know the condition of our assets and pay close attention to our finances so that our family is well taken care of and we are able to help others. We work in God's kingdom. We receive wages and gather fruit for eternal life. We rejoice when we plant and when we reap. Our seeds begin to increase greatly the moment they are planted. We reap abundantly because we sow generously. We cheerfully and freely give to God's work and kingdom. God makes every favor and earthly blessing come to us. And we have more than enough to do what God wants and give to others. We are sowers and the Lord gives us seed and meets our needs. 
according to his glorious riches in Christ. He multiplies our resources and increases our righteousness, so we are enriched in every way. We walk worthy of the Lord and please him in all things. We are fruitful, producing abundant harvests in every good work and steadily growing in the knowledge of God. Our faith is strong, our insight is clear, and our love is strong for God's word. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. We proclaim to build a strong body of believers and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. This is funny because I have not seen the new confession. Uh, Pastor Doug always sends it around and I'm laughing because in my pra- in our prayer time, my team and I had our final prayer time for this quarter. And that's what we prayed. <laughs> so I, we prayed along the lines of harvest. So I just thought that was cool that that's what the confession is. The Holy Spirit is on the move. Yes. And we just have to listen to what he's saying and say the word of God to agree with it. And it happens. Amen. Morning, everybody. Okay, so I'm so excited about this fact. I'm going to share that first, okay? I posted it on um, New Generation Air Force's YouTube channel, so you may have already seen it. But I was reading in my science book, and there's this concept called absolute zero, which is where you would make an environment so cold that particles stop moving because heat is energy and then energy creates motion. So that's the theory. Scientists recently proved that this theory, well, like I said, good in thinking, cannot actually ever happen. And I know why I'm so excited. (laughs) So I was thinking about, I'm like, well, nothing should be impossible, right? I was like, we serve a great God. Why would this be something that could never, ever happen? And I was thinking that, well, God created the world with his word. So every particle is basically the word of God, which means God's word will never, ever stop moving. And because his word is the fire, we're always going to have heat. We're always going to have motion. Those particles will never, ever be able to stop moving because it's the word of God. Isn't that awesome? I was so excited. I was like, I know why it doesn't work. (laughs) All right. So we at VCF, we operate with the fire of God and the word of God, and we have lots of events always happening. So youth group meets on Tuesdays at 6 p.m., and we have ongoing fundraisers, and we have new things. Yesterday, um, Stephen and Nathan were making chocolate, and their theme was everybody loves trail mix, so we have chocolate with lots of different things in it. So I encourage you to go check it out. It was so funny. (laughs) On Wednesdays, we have Wednesday night refreshing, and that's at 6.30. It's so nice to be here in the middle of the week. It's great to be here every day, but I love coming on Wednesday nights. It's a different feel than Sundays. And Pastor Fiona, 
new book, her self-talk devotional, is now out in preparation for our conference that's this Friday, actually. I was like, oh my gosh, we've been announcing it, and it's finally here. (laughs) So this book is amazing. I encourage you to read it and to get in the bookstore. Um, It just talks about, like, you get to actually speak out the Word of God and the positive things, and it does amazing things for your life. So this Friday, like we said, is our women's conference, right? Friday night, 6 to 8.30. Well, six until whenever we're done, basically. (laughs) And it is also Saturday morning, and it starts at 10, and we will also have a QA and a session. So come with lots of questions about angels. The person who is talking is Dr. Michael Jacobs, and that's one of the big things he talks about in his ministry. And he will also be here Sunday, April 10th. So if you cannot come to the Women's Conference, come on Sunday. We are going to pack the house. That's everything. <laughs> and I uh, just want you to know that Dr. Michael Jacobs, he's also a, a prophet as well. Yes. He, uh, he pioneered a church in Indiana, and now he spends his time uh, traveling to uh different places, and we are so glad to be able to host him here. Yes. And uh, we're looking for great things. Yes. Amen? Amen? How about you? You looking for great things? Yes. Well, if you're expecting great things, bring someone with you, especially on Sunday, uh, if they can't uh, make it on uh, for the conference. But it's going to be a great time. Yes. And uh, those of you that have been here, you know that uh, the qualities of... Uh, the guests that we bring in, you know, um, they impart some things to us. Yes. And uh, they're going to be, we're going to have a great time. So before we dismiss uh, the kids today, I want you to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11. Ecclesiastes, chapter 11. I'm going to read from the Amplified. He says, uh, Cast your bread on the surface of the waters and watch it come back sandwiches. No, I'm just joking about that part. (laughs) I just had to get that in there. He says, cast your bread on the surface of the waters. The Amplified says, be diligently active. Make thoughtful decisions. For you will find it after many days. Isn't this interesting? How you can cast your bread upon the waters, but then you will find it after many days. How is that possible? In the kingdom of God, that's how it's possible. Amen? Scattering your bread is like giving. And as you give into the kingdom of God, then you will find it after many days. Why? What's the many days? That's That's the time that the seed grows and multiplies. Verse 2. Give a portion to seven or even divide it to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls towards the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind, if you're going to gauge your giving by watching the wind... 
you're not going to be scattering too much. Okay? He who watches the wind waiting for all conditions to be perfect. You know, sometimes conditions aren't perfect. But we shouldn't give based on our conditions. We should give based on the word of God. And it says, uh, waiting for all the conditions to be perfect will not sow seed, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap a harvest. So you got to be a diligent sower so that you can be a diligent reaper. Amen. And Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for the givers that you have brought into this house and for the gifts that they bring, Lord. It represents the best of them. And I thank you, Father, that they freely and willingly and generously give to you, Lord, and you do truly bless them abundantly. And you cause uh, prosperity to come and protection to come and provision to come to them. You take care of all of their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we, we just bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, if you're online, you can give through our website. If you're here, you can give anytime during the service. All right, kids. In kids' life, we got some kids living in faith every day. Amen. We're so grateful for our kids and our teachers and our volunteers. Kids, have a great class. Enjoy your time together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is so good. Getting all my stuff together here. Hallelujah. Last week we started talking to you about signs of the times. And uh, I felt very strongly for this week to talk about how to have a winning attitude to the end. How many know that we got to take care of our attitude and and when when we know when we know what's coming ahead right we can prepare ourselves god wants you to finish strong he doesn't want you to quit before you get to the finish line he doesn't want you to drop out or fall by the wayside he wants every one of us to finish strong you know and i'm going to read some scriptures here in a moment about how the Bible promises us several places where Jesus is going to return again, right? And we know that there's going to be a rapture, right? That's when the church is going to be taken out. Then there's going to be a great tribulation. And for three years, it's going to be okay. But then in the middle of that, it's going to turn really, really bad. It's called the great tribulation. It's the most severe and terrible times that this earth has ever seen. It has not seen anything like that. And uh, Jesus is going to come back and we're going to meet him in the air. And then he's going to come back and set up his kingdom. And uh, there's going to be a millennial reign where for a thousand years, whoo, it's going to be sweet, wonderful, awesome, incredible. And uh, he's going to he's going to whoop the armies of the of the Antichrist. Right. And uh, we're going to have a marriage supper of the Lamb, the greatest party that has ever been had in the history of time. Jesus has been planning this party, and it's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, and we're going to be gathered with him in heaven at the banqueting table. Glory to God. It's going to be a time. And then he's going to have his judgment seat 
where he's going to distribute the rewards. He's going to have his great white throne judgment where he's going to separate the goats and the sheep. The goats are going to go to uh, hell pretty much. And the sheep are going to be with him. Amen. Amen. And aren't you glad you're a sheep? Glory to God. And then finally, Satan is going to be cast into the lake of fire. He's going to have his retirement by the lake where he can always get a a sunburn. (laughs) And it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be fun. You know, people in my hometown in Illinois, they used to think that hell was going to be some kind of party, that they were going to party with their friends. No, friend, hell is not going to be a party. It's going to be a place of torment. The Bible says the fire doesn't die out and the worm never dies. And it's a place of torment. Day and night for eternity. You don't want to go there and you don't want your friends to go there. You don't want your relatives to go there. You don't want your co-workers to go there. You don't want your neighbors to go there. And that's why God brought you here. So today I want to talk about more of our attitude about the end. What should be, what should our attitude be about what's coming ahead, about what the Bible says is going to happen? First of all, I want to just, um, name some things, uh, of where the Bible says that Jesus is coming again. Alright? Uh, John 14, verse 3. John 14, verse 3. Jesus told his disciples, he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again, and I will take you to myself. Say, he's coming again. So that where I am, you may be also. I'll tell you what, he's going to gather us together with him. Okay? Romans 8, 19. Romans 8, 19. All creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And we're going to see that when he, when he comes again, we're going to be just like him. We're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Whoo! If you haven't, if you haven't died yet, you're going to be on this earth and when he comes and when he appears, you're, you're going to be changed. This, uh, mortal is going to put on immortality. You're going to get an upgrade to your glorified body. And it's going to be just like that. All right? Go to 1 Corinthians 1.7, and I'm reading these from the Amplified. 1 Corinthians 1.7. So that you are lacking, not lacking in any spiritual gift, which comes by the Holy Spirit... As you eagerly wait with confident trust for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. Verse 8, he will also confirm you to the end, keeping you strong and free of accusation so that you will be blameless beyond reproach in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the day of his return. There's a day coming. Right? It's, it hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. When's it going to happen? I don't know. You don't know. But the Father knows. And the Father knows what he's doing. How many, can we trust the Father? Amen. Don't, don't worry about the day. You just be ready. You just live ready. You stay ready. 
Amen? Hallelujah. All right? 1 Corinthians 15.51. Since you're hearing the word on the end times, you're getting faith for the end times. Because what happens when, when you hear the word? Faith comes. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15.51. Listen very carefully. I tell you a mystery. A secret truth decreed by God and previously hidden but now revealed. We will not all sleep in death. But we will all be changed, wondrously transformed. Woo! In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet call, or the last trumpet call, for a trumpet will sound, and the dead who believed in Christ will raise imperishable. Man, you're going to see some people coming out of the grave connecting with their glorified body. Right? And we will be completely changed, wondrously transformed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Philippians chapter 3. See, the Bible is very clear. You know, it it talks about the return of the Lord about 300 times. Philippians 3.20. But we are different because our citizenship is in heaven. Woo, I'm a citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. I'm a member of the household of God. And everyone who believes in Jesus is that way too. And from there, we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by exerting that power, which enables him even to subject everything to himself, will not only transform, but can completely refashion our earthly bodies so that we they will be like his glorious resurrected body. Yeah. Whoo, how many are ready for that upgrade? Yeah. When he comes, man, I'll tell you what, you are going to be just like him in a glorified body, a brand new suit. Hallelujah. Thank God. <laughs> Glory to God. Colossians 3, 4. Colossians 3, 4. Did you know that Paul was caught up into heaven and God was telling him all these things and he got to see these things and he got to, then he got to write these things. 14 years after he had the experience, he wrote these things. All right. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When he appears, you're going to appear with him. That's the rapture. You're going to meet, he's going to appear in the air and you're going to meet him. Amen. And you won't have a care. <laughs> Glory to God. Shouldn't have a care anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. First Thessalonians 1.10. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And to look forward and confidently wait for the coming of his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who personally rescues us from the coming wrath. He's, he's going to personally rescue us from the coming wrath, right? You won't see the tribulation. Why? We're going to be rescued. Amen? And uh, draws us to himself, catching away. 
right? Granting us all the privileges and rewards of a new life with him. Whew, how many know we got privileges and rewards? All right, and then go to, go to chapter 2 and verse 19. First Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 19. For who is the object of our hope or joy or our victor's wreath of triumphant celebration when we stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Who? Glory to God. All right. And let's go to First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 13. This is our rapture practice scripture. <laughs> now, we do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. Aren't you glad God doesn't want you to be uninformed? So many people are uninformed, but you're not because you're here. God does not want you to be uninformed, believers, about those who are asleep in death so that you will not grieve for them as others do, who have no hope. People who have no hope are very sorrowful at death, but we have a hope so we don't have to be so sorrowful at death. All right? Verse 14, for if we, or if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, as in fact he did, even so God in this same way, by raising them from the dead, will bring with him those believers who have fallen asleep in Jesus. They're going to come with Jesus and they're going to connect with their glorified bodies in the air, and we're going to be transformed and connect with him. All right? It says, uh, we, we, say that, we say this to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are still alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will in no way proceed into his presence those believers who have fallen asleep in death. For the Lord himself, hallelujah, he will uh, come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the blast of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Like popcorn. Pop, they're going to pop right out of those graves. Their bodies will. And then we who are alive and remain on the earth will simultaneously be caught up in the enraptured together with them, the resurrected ones, hallelujah, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Won't even need a mask to travel. Won't even need a plane ticket to travel. Won't need a rocket ship to travel. You'll be sucked up like dust in a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right? You'll be beamed up. Okay? So we will always be with the Lord. From that point on, we're always going to be with him. And when he comes back to rule and reign, we're going to come back with him again. Therefore, verse 18, comfort and encourage one another. Don't strike fear in one another. Comfort and encourage one another. With these words concerning our reunion with believers that have died. We're supposed to comfort and encourage one another. All right? So Jesus is coming again, isn't he? Are you ready? Right? Well, go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. 
he elaborates a lot of things that are going to happen to Israel at this time. And I want you to look at uh, verse 42. He says, watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord does come. To watch means to be alert, means to look for, means to expect. How many are looking? How many are watching? Right? You're, you're not just so caught up in your own, own world that you're not concerned about what the Lord's doing. Amen? You gotta be tuned in to the Lord spiritually. Right? You can't receive what the Lord has naturally. You gotta be tuned in spiritually. Amen? You gotta be on the same channel, the same page, the same frequency as the Holy Ghost. How do you get it? How do you get in the same frequency? You pray, you worship, you pray in tongues, you study the Word. Why? Because that's the frequency. Amen? So what is our, what does our attitude need to be about when Jesus comes? I want you to go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We shouldn't be fearful. We shouldn't be worried. Titus chapter 2. And verse 11. Titus chapter 2. And verse 11. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. How many know that God's grace has appeared, right? Jesus came and he introduced grace, right? He said, by grace you are saved through faith. Thank God for the grace of God. Okay? So the grace of God brought salvation and it has appeared to all men. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Until Jesus comes, we're going to have to deny ungodliness. What are you de- you're denying its right to operate in you. It may operate around you, but it can't operate in you or in your atmosphere. Amen? So we're supposed to deny ungodliness. We're supposed to deny its access. And we're supposed to deny worldly lusts. Or desires. Desires that originate of the world. You don't want to be like the movie star you see on the magazine. Why? Their picture's been doctored. They're not as perfect as they look. If you've ever seen them without makeup, you know. Right? But those those magazines can... So what, what am I saying? We don't want to have, we don't want to share the desires of the world. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eye. Those are the only three things that the world operates by. It's been operating that way ever since man fell. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are the only three things. And thank God Jesus conquered all those things. Amen? Okay? That we should live soberly, or sensibly, or alert. This is how we need to live. Amen? We can't live haphazard lives and expect to be ready for when Jesus comes. 
What did Jesus tell his apostles to go into all the world and make? What did he want us to make? He didn't say go and make Christians. He said go and make disciples. A disciple is a learner, a follower, a student. Amen? We're supposed to make disciples. Who are we making disciples after? After Jesus. Not after us, but after Jesus. Amen? We're supposed to point people to Jesus. And we can help them follow Jesus. Just like you follow Jesus. You can help someone else follow Jesus. Amen? We are a discipleship manufacturing plant. We are a franchise of the home office. Amen? And we have been placed in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. And there are people in here that need to be made disciples in our area, in our region. We know people who aren't going to church, who aren't following the Lord, who don't even know who Jesus is. But we need to make disciples. This is how we need to live until he comes. Amen? You don't have the time you think you had. Oh, I'll, I'll just wait another day. No, today is the day. Look at your neighbor and say, today is the day of salvation. And now is the time. If you can't physically share the gospel with people, pray for people. You can sit in your chair and pray. Amen. That doesn't take a whole lot of energy. You can do that. Pray and worship God. Amen. Invite his presence where you're. He'll show you what to do and what you can do. Amen. Okay. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this what? Present world. Why? This present world or this present age is coming to an end. Pretty soon God's going to wrap some things up here. Right? Daniel, he, when he was looking at this, he, he saw it as a scroll being rolled up. God's going to wrap some things up. And when he does, things are going to happen quick. Amen? That's why you, you, you're not going to have time to get ready then. You've got to get ready now. You've got to live by faith now. Amen? Okay? And live godly in this present world. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. Whoo, I love those descriptions. It's a blessed hope and a glorious appearing. I'll tell you what, you think the red carpet's something more? I'll tell you, something greater than the red carpet is coming. He's coming in the sky. He's not coming in the limo. Hallelujah. The sky is going to split open when he comes. Someone greater. Someone more glorious. Are we looking for that blessed hope? Or are we thinking, oh, it's just somewhere off in the future. I don't need to be concerned about it now. No, you need to be concerned about it now. Why? There are people dying and going to hell because they don't know Jesus. And we have something that we can do about it. Amen? Amen. The glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope. Hallelujah. So that's our attitude, right? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What's our attitude supposed to be? Calm, cool, and collected. Everybody say calm, cool, and collected. Look at verse 6. 
1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. The Amplified says, keep awake, alert, and cautious, and be sober, self-controlled, and wise. Calm, cool, and collected. How come you're not worried about the world? Because I know a Savior. Even Jesus said to his disciples, he said, in the world, you will experience trouble, tribulation. Then with a big smile, he said, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. We have overcoming faith on the inside of us. We have a faith that God gave us that overcomes the world. We are destined to be overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Amen? And I'm telling you, the people who aren't living for God now, they're going to be caught unaware. They aren't going to be ready. It's like when when you know a guest is coming to your house on Thursday, right? So you're going to clean on Wednesday, except they come in early and they come in Wednesday. And they knock at the door. You're like, uh, can you wait a minute? I wasn't ready for you for your arrival. That's not the time to get ready then, let me tell you. This, I'm, this is a hypothetical situation. It's a hypothetical situation. My point is... If you're not living ready, you're not going to be ready. If you're living unready, then you won't be ready. If you're not doing what God wants you to do, where he wants you to do it, when he wants you to do it, you're not really tuned in to the spiritual network. In other words, you're getting your information from another source. And you're going to miss God. Do you realize, this is something that I've learned in my life, that God has a path for each one of us. And only along his path that he has for you, he has scheduled blessings. He has scheduled blessings. But see, it's only on that path. If you veer off of that path that he has for you, the blessings aren't scheduled on on the detour. The blessings are only scheduled on the path. How many know Jesus said, narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, but wide is the road that leads to destruction. Why? It's easy to be destroyed, but it's a lot harder to not be destroyed. We've got to be walking the narrow path. That means doing God's will, no matter what. Well, I'm just not willing to pay the cost. Then pray, pray through, pray till you have a breakthrough. Pray till you're, you overcome that desire of the flesh of not wanting to pay the cost. Amen? Sometimes some of the old, older church folks, they, they had, it was the art of praying till you get an answer, praying till heaven comes down. Amen? We can't just offer a drive through prayer. I didn't get my answer. Yeah, because sometimes the Lord just wants us to spend some time with him. We're so conditioned in the world that we live in today, you know, we get upset when, when things don't happen quickly. 
Well, sometimes you got to, it takes some time to build a relationship. You know, God wants to spend time with you. Amen? Why do you think he did what he did? He went to great lengths just to spend time with us. All right? Okay? Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at verses 12 and 13. This is powerful. And the Lord make you to increase and and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints." So what do we have to do? We have to have an attitude of loving one another and loving all people. And not only that, we got to increase and abound in love. That means we we ought to be adding to our love account more and more. I'm going to read this again. And the Lord, he is the author of love. What did he do with his love? He shed his love abroad in our hearts. He gave us his love. So he doesn't even expect us to use our love. Our love is insufficient, but his love is unlimited. And he gave us his love so that we can then in turn share his love with someone else. How do you know if we're Christians? Because we shout or because we sing? No, because we love the brothers. The proof of of Christianity is love. That's the sign of maturity, is love. Loving God and loving people. And you can't love God without loving people. And you can't love people without loving God. They work together. Why? We're created in God's image and in his likeness. If if we're made in God's image and his likeness, we should love people. We may not like what they do or what they say, but we should still love them. Amen? So we got to have an attitude of love. Go to John 13, the Gospel of John, chapter 13. I'm just giving you some things about what does our attitude need to be until Jesus returns. If the Bible set talks about it, we should live it, right? I mean, why would God inspire men to write these words if we're not going to just put them into practice? He didn't he didn't give us a Bible to build a Bible trophy room. And set up all the Bibles in the glass case? No. The Bible is the word of God. It is Jesus in the flesh. Jesus was, was the word encapsulated in a body. He was the word made flesh and walked among us. Everything he said and everything he did was word. And he succeeded. He didn't fail. He didn't sin. He didn't lose his temper. He exercised righteous anger at some things that were against his father or his father's house. Oh, Jesus was so nice. Yeah, no, there's a time he turned over tables. See, the throne of God sits on two things. It sits on righteousness and justice. And I guarantee you that God's justice will be served. Don't think that people who sin in this world think they're getting away with anything. They're not getting away with anything because I'll tell you what, there's a final judgment coming. 
When, when Jesus comes his second time, the second coming, he sets up a kingdom and he's going to judge people. He's going to, he's, he's the perfect candidate, perfect, you know, to judge. I'm not even going to address some candidates that they put up for judges. That's all I'm going to say about that. John 13. Verse 35. Well, let's back up to 34. John 13, 34. Our attitude until Jesus comes. A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. What was the old commandment? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You take out my eye, I'm going to take out your eye. You take out my tooth, I'm going to take out your tooth. That was the old commandment. But the new commandment, Jesus is introducing something new than what was previously. I'm giving you a new commandment. Why? He likes to do new things. He introduces new commands. Amen? That you love one another. Love who? How? As I have loved you. Our love for each other has to be how God loves us. It's not based on feeling or experience or looks or anything else, but it's based on what God said. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another, love one to another. I just don't like fellowshipping with that person. You got a love problem. Do you realize, you know who was at the Last Supper? Jesus' betrayer. He even said, he said, one of you at this table is going to betray me. And they were like, who? They, 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 all, they all of a sudden became owls. Who? 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 He let his betrayer. Jesus knew who was going to betray him. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by one of his disciples. And he sat there. And he took communion. He shared it in the Last Supper. And then it was at communion that Satan entered him. And that's when Jesus looked at him and said, what you do, do quickly, because there, no cha- there was no turning back. Listen, if Satan enters into you, you're in pretty bad shape. Do you, do you realize Satan needs your permission to enter you? He, di- he didn't just enter Judas. No, Judas gave him an open door. He says, come on in. Satan can't just enter your life, but he entered Judas. That's because Judas let him in. Judas could have repented, but he didn't. Okay? Are we having fun yet? Amen. All right? Go to uh, 1 John 4-7. 1 John 4-7. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that as a pastor, God led me to this message. It's our attitude towards the end. If you want to finish strong, you want to have a good attitude towards the end. Amen? Can you imagine a marathon runner 
He's ran 20 miles and he's got four miles to go. What do you think his attitude has got to be? He's got to fight the pain. He's got to fight the fatigue. And he's got to finish. I can do this. I can do this. I'm the little engine that could. Right? I'm the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. Chugga, 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 chugga. Woo, woo! Right? It's in the last few moments that you need to tell yourself the greatest encouragement to, fi- to finish the race. You ran 20 miles and you're going to quit when you got four miles left? The only race I've ever ran in in my life was a four-mile race. And, boy, I trained hard for that. It took me about 40 minutes, but I finished. And, and my friends, we were training together, and, and every week we'd increase our distance of how, how far we ran. And uh, that was the only race that I've ever been in in my life. I'm not much of a runner. <laughs> and, uh, but I, thank God I finished. Amen? And, and you you got you to... Gotta, you got to encourage yourself because there ain't no one around you encourage you except you know, maybe people that are running, you know, as you're running by, they're handing you water. But you've you got you to make that self-determination that you're going to. How many are here are going to finish strong for Jesus? Amen. You got to be determined. You got to make up your mind. You're going to finish strong for Jesus. I don't care what happens. I don't care what the enemy tries to do. I don't care what circumstances show. I'm going to finish strong for Jesus. Amen. That's how we need to be. And if you, if you fall down along the way, someone that runs by you will come pick you up. Amen? That's what the body of Christ does. When someone's weak and frail, they help out the weak and frail. Amen? Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Glory to God. All right, 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, say, I'm God's Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. When, we're say, when we say that we can't love someone, then we stop receiving God's love for us, because God is love, right? And God's supply never runs dry. There's never a shortage in God's supply. Every one of us have more than enough love for every person, even that one that you think gets on your last nerve. Let me tell you something. You got another nerve. You got some more nerve. Amen? Come on. We got to put down the flesh and raise the spirit. And we got to love by faith. Glory to God. Okay? You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 24, verse 4, it tells us don't be deceived. I dealt with that last week. That's an attitude that we have to have till the end. Don't be deceived. Why? The devil will come along and try to trip you up through deception. He'll try to to discourage you through deception. He'll try to, he, he lies to you. He is a liar. What he tells you, don't believe it. He cannot tell the truth if his life depended on it. There is no truth in him. When he passes to you thoughts of discouragement or low self-esteem or you're never going to amount to this or you're never going to be able to do that, lie, lie, lie. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
Fight back with the word. Tell him it is written. If he tries to discourage you, you say, I hope you enjoy your place by the lake. Amen. All right, go to Romans 13. What am I dealing with? I'm dealing with our attitude until Jesus returns. What's our attitude going to be towards the end? Oh, I'm just loving the Lord, you know. Listen, sometimes we got to build and sometimes we got to fight at the same time. Sometimes we got to have a spread some concrete with a sword strapped to our side. Because while we're building, the enemy may try to attack. And when he attacks, we pull out our weapons. Amen. How many of you know we got some weapons? God gave us some weapons. Glory to God. And this is our supply of ammunition right here. Hallelujah. Romans 13 and uh, starting verse 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You know, there are some believers that are sleeping. It's time for them to wake up. They need a spiritual awakening. (laughs) Why did our nation need spiritual awakenings? Because we were sleeping. And God needs to create a movement to come along and wake us up. It's called an awakening. Isn't that interesting? Romans, knowing that the time that now is, is high time to wake up out of your sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believe. What's he talking about our salvation? He's talking about the full package, the glorified body. We're saved now. He's not talking about the salvation that Jesus achieved on the cross by shedding his blood. He's talking about the salvation as the full package when we get our glorified body. Right now we just have a down payment. Amen? But how many know we're getting something better? Okay? So it's time to wake up. Verse 12. The night is far spent. The day, the, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Did you know that there are, there are works that are done in darkness? You know, lying is a work that's done in darkness. Okay? Anything that... Goes against God's word is a work done in darkness. Because Jesus said, I'm the light of the world and there's no darkness in me. Isn't that right? So, and he, he told us, we are children of the light and we need to what? Walk in the light. Abide in the light. Live in the light. God, did you know that God gave you a light life? A light life. <laughs> okay. Cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk honestly. Tax day is coming up. You better be honest. Uh Uh-oh. Did I say that? Yeah, I did. You know, Jesus was honest about paying his taxes. Peter and Jesus walked into his hometown. They said, uh, Hey, is your master going to pay the taxes? And Peter said, oh, yeah, he's going to pay because because Jesus was talking to him. He said, we don't want to offend them, right? But he didn't bring his wallet, nor did he bring his treasurer. You know, when you have a treasurer, you don't need a wallet. And if you're poor, you don't need a treasurer. Amen? 
People think that Jesus was poor and he wasn't. I mean, when you, when you get, when you get a pot of gold when you're born, when kings come and worship you, they give you some gold. Amen? Anyway, Jesus and Peter were talking because Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was going to pay the tax, but how he pays it is a little different. Peter, he said, I want you to go down to the water and cast your line in and the first fish. Everybody say the first fish. If you, if you name something first, does that mean there's going to be another one? Yeah, one's to pay the tax, two is for lunch. Right? So Peter does what Jesus says. Okay? He goes in. He doesn't throw in the net. He throws in a line. Right? He gets a bite. He reels that fish in. Look in the fish. Gold coins for you and me. Just like Jesus said. Everybody say, just like Jesus said. Jesus is always right. Even if it doesn't make sense to your head, Jesus is always right. So just listen to him. Amen? So he takes the fish, the first fish, and he takes the coin out of its mouth, pays the tax, right? And then uh, they, they pay their tax. So we got to walk honestly. As in the day, not rioting and drunkenness. What does drunkenness do? Drunkenness dulls your senses. I know, I've been drunk a long, 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 long time ago. It makes you stupid. I saw a lot of drunk people around me. They were stupid. And me included. I was stupid. Amen? Not in chambering or evil desires. Not in wantonness or covetousness or strife and envy. You know, we got a lot of Christians that are walking in strife thinking that they're going to be okay when Jesus comes. Uh Uh-uh. Strife brings with it every evil work. Think about that. Do you want something that brings every evil work hanging around you? Strife is like a magnet for every evil work. It just gets attracted to it. And if you're walking in strife, that means you're hostile. That means you don't speak good things. That means you gossip. That means you talk about people behind their back. That's backbiting. I did not say that. The Bible said it. Right? We're not supposed to be doing these things. Why? If we're doing these things, we'll be be caught unaware. Okay? And notice verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Everybody tell your flesh no. Say sit. Say be quiet. Guess what? You can control your flesh. Your flesh will do what you say it can do. But too many times, see, the natural minded person lets the flesh control them. They do what the flesh wants to do, where God wants us to do what the Spirit wants us to do. Can I get a witness? I know this is like Brussels, this is like uh, Brussels sprouts and broccoli, right? As far as your spiritual diet is concerned. But you know, if Jesus talked about living right, shouldn't the church talk about it? Jesus is concerned about how we live. He didn't do all that work 
coming from heaven, dying on a cross, offering his life, shedding his blood, being whipped, being criticized, being spit on, being beaten for nothing, and then rising from the dead. He expects us that when we accept him, we got to walk like he walked. We got to live like he lived. We got to talk like he talked. Amen? This is what he wants from us. This is his desire. All right? Let's go on. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Hallelujah. Are you having a good time? You might feel like a lemon in a lemon press, but God's just getting the juice out. Right? He's going he's to add some of his sugar to make you sweet. I heard this week, I was listening to Ron Carpenter, and he said, you know, in the Old Testament, they had certain ingredients that they had to make the anointing oil with. There was more sweet ingredients than there were bitter. In other words, God makes you sweeter. Amen? And when he comes in your life, he changes your bitterness into sweetness. Glory to God. So if you're experiencing any kind of bitter times, don't worry. God will make it sweet. He's the sugar to our lemonade. Woo! Hallelujah. He's the maple syrup on the pancake. Glory to God. (laughs) He's the sweetened creamer in my coffee. Glory. Woo! You know, we need an organ up here for those things, right? (laughs) Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctifies you partly. Holy. So he, he cleans you all up, doesn't he? And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto what? Unto the coming, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. How long do I have to be holy? Until he comes. Because when you get a glorified body, holiness is not going to be an issue anymore. It's just this flesh, this unregenerate flesh that we live in. We got to keep it under. We got to keep this mind renewed. Our spirits are already done. But that means two-thirds of us aren't. But when Jesus comes again, the two-thirds are going to be like the one-third. And we're going to be, woo, we get the whole package. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Notice verse 24. Faithful is he that calls you who will what? Oh, my goodness. How am I going to live holy? He'll do it. If you just let him do it, he'll do it. He'll do the heavy lifting. He'll do the work. Amen. Even Jesus said, my father does the work. Everybody hold up your hands. Say, Lord Jesus, keep working. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's working. Amen. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. He's going to complete it. Just let him, just let him work. Oh, okay, okay, go to James for a minute. 
Go to James chapter 1. This is a bonus, has nothing to do with my notes or message. Verse 2. James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials. You didn't plan on it, you just kind of, it fell into it. Okay? Knowing this, the trying of your faith works what? Patience, but let patience have what? Perfect or complete work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Some of us, we tell patients to go home for the day because they're, they're done working, but the job's not done. How many know you got to count it all joy and let patience have its perfect work, complete work? Oh, don't, don't quit yet. Patience is still working. I'm still on the job. I'm still clocked in. Hallelujah. I'm still working on you. Patience is working. Patience is a fruit. Patience has to do with things that we can't control. Long-suffering has to do with relationships with people. But patience has to do with things that we can't control. Amen? Does fruit just show up? It goes through a process. Fruit starts with a seed. Told you this was a bonus. Had nothing to do with my message. This is just a Holy Ghost. The fruit of patience starts with a seed. And you sow that seed into your heart. And you water that seed with the same Seed, right? This is seed and it's water. It's water to your soul. Right? And you plant that seed in your heart, you water it, and that grows. Right? First of all, it starts off with a blade. Then the ear. Then the full tree. Then as, as the full tree is, then the fruit starts to show up on it. Amen? Oh, thank God that we got a patient orchard in us. We got to let patience have its perfect work. Some of you quit before patience is done working. And if patience isn't done working, guess what? You start over. The Israelites were not patient. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to Egypt now. Okay, you'll spend 40 days in the wilderness, or 40 years in the wilderness. Wow. Whoo. See, when they weren't patient, they had to keep walking around. When you're impatient, this is what you, you, you you're, not, you're stuck in the wilderness. And you're not having what God said. Why? Because you were impatient. You know what, you know what impatience pleases? Impatience pleases the flesh. Uh-oh, we're supposed to kill the flesh. Amen? Everybody say, I'm letting patience work. And I'm not going to stop until work is done. When patience finishes the work, then you get the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. All right. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. 
Look at verse 1. This is an attitude that we need to have until the end. Who's talking here? It's Jesus. Can Jesus lie? Does Jesus know what he's talking about? Absolutely. He's an expert. He wrote the book. The author is giving us a, a, a discussion. Jesus looks to his disciples and says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. When you see things happening in the world, you got a choice. Are you going to let your heart be troubled or are you going to not let your heart be troubled? It is a decision that we got to make. Trouble comes knocking at your door. Are you going to let it in or are you going to keep it out? Let not your heart be troubled. That's a choice that you have to make. Hallelujah. Believe in God. See, why, why, why do we not have to let our hearts be troubled? Because I believe God. How many believe God? Who does all things work out to for their good? People who what? Believe God. Who, to whom is all things possible? People who believe God. Right? So when you believe God, you're part of an elite, wonderful group with lots and lots and lots of benefits. Amen? Simply by believing God, trusting God, putting your faith in God. Amen? I believe God. I believe what he said. I believe he's going to work it out. Okay? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. What's Jesus doing right now? He's he's getting your house ready. Not your house, your mansion. How many, each one of us have a mansion in heaven? That the expert builder is building specifically for you. What you like. What you desire. Amen. Everything that you dreamed about that you would have in a house, it's there. So Jesus is going to prepare a place for you. Why? He expects you to be there. He wouldn't go prepare a place for you if he didn't want you there. <laughs> How many of you have you, you prepared a nice meal for people and they didn't want it? Doesn't that, I prepared this meal for you. I slaved over that stove for you and you don't want Kind of gets you mad, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know, maybe sometimes it, anyway. <laughs> Verse three. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That's where we're going to meet him in the air. Amen. These are Jesus' words. That where I am you may be also. And where I go you know the way. Who is Jesus? He's the way, right? He's the way that we should live. He's the truth that we should live by. And he's the life that we should reflect. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the model. He's the standard. He's the example. He's the pattern. Our goal, every one of us in here should have a goal to be like Jesus. That's our goal. Amen? And, and we're on a journey. You're not going to be like Jesus tomorrow. I mean, you, you, can exempl- you, could, you could exemplify his characteristics and qualities, but, you, you know, Jesus was like Jesus for 33 and a half years. For 33 and a half years, Jesus said no to sin. Jesus said no to bad attitudes. Jesus said no to his flesh. 
Jesus wouldn't allow him, his mouth, to say certain things. He wouldn't allow his feet to take him to certain places. Why? He, he modeled this. He lived this. He lived a perfect life for 33 and a half years before he went to the cross. He was absolutely perfect. He never talked back to his mother. He always honored his parents. He did what he was supposed to do. He honored God. He discovered what God's will was at an early age. He knew that he had to be about his father's business. He let nothing deter him from his purpose. That's how we need to live. Why did he live that way? To show us how to do it. Aren't you glad? He didn't just tell us how to do it. He showed us how to do it. Amen? He said, you can walk in my footsteps. You can follow my example. You can do my works that I did. And greater works you do because I'm, I'm retiring early. I'm going home. I'm going to the Father. Amen? Do you realize when Jesus came to this earth, he reached Israel. He didn't go out of Israel. But his workers that followed him, they took his message to other countries. They took it across seas, across lands. They went and spread his word like that's a greater work. It's greater in scope, amen? They reached more people. I mean, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, one service, 3,000 people got born again. Amen? So, how many want a winning attitude? This is what we need to do. Amen? We, we, we shouldn't be worried. We shouldn't be concerned. Cast every one of your cares. Who do you cast your cares to? To the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. Don't be careful. Be carefree. Amen? If someone says to you, be careful, it says, well, I, I will exercise caution, but I'm going to be carefree. How, words matter. If you say, I'm going to be careful, what does that mean? You're full of care. We've we got to be careful of our words. Death and life are where? In the power of the tongue. Ah, right here. Death and life in the power of the tongue. Right here. It's either producing death or it's either producing life. Amen? It's such a little organ, but it creates a lot of chaos. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a lie. I don't know about you, but I've been hurt by some words before. Right? But thank God we have a Jesus. Amen? We have the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the blood of Jesus. Amen? We have every tool that we ever will need to live a good, strong life to the end. Amen? We don't have to falter. Why? Because we're on a firm foundation. Glory to God. We're built on a rock. Hallelujah. And that rock can roll, man. Jesus, he's a rock that rolls. Right? He's a moving rock. Did you know the Bible says that Jesus was the rock that the water came out of in the wilderness? Jesus said, I was the rock. Strike me and speak to me. I'll I'll give you what you need. Hallelujah. Jesus provides us with things. He gives us things. He equips us with things. He armored us. Amen. He equipped us. 
and he called us to victory, glory to God. We are called into victory, hallelujah. You've been enlisted to live a victorious, triumphant life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You, you, we, we've been enlisted to live a higher life. To live a good life. To live an abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, but the life that God gives to me is greater. It's abundant life. It overcomes everything that the enemy does. We put our faith in God. And I'm going to follow him to the end. Nothing's going to get in between us. Nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to deter me. Why? I'm going to maintain a good attitude to the end. Because he is coming. He is coming. And today is the day to get ready. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Amen? If there's anything that you need to get right with God, I want to encourage you, get it right. Get it right. Get it right today. You don't know what's going to come tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What guarantee did the word say that you're going to have it tomorrow? You know, Paul said, if I die, I die. Right? You know, Esther got to the point, I don't care if I'm going to risk my life. I'm going to risk my life for God. She did. And God met her. You know, God appreciates when people step, step out in faith. And they're not, they're not going to back down and they're going to stand their ground and not compromise. Amen? We're living in a time. Do you realize God knew what was going to happen in this time? So he made you to live in this time. You are equipped to overcome in this time right now. There's no, nothing in the world that could stop you. There's no leader that could stop you. You've got the power of God on your side. He who was with you was greater than he who was in the world. Amen? And, and we got more with us than there be with them. Hallelujah. Elisha walked around with a, an invisible army of fiery chariots and angels. Because when, when, uh, in 2 Kings 6, when the enemy surrounded the city because he kept telling the, the king's secrets, the king was going to try to attack Israel. And, and the prophet Elisha would go to the king and said, don't go over here because that's where the king's going to be to attack you. And they would send scouts. And sure enough, that's where the enemy was, right? So then they, they sent a battalion of soldiers to get Elisha. And, and his servant woke up one day. He had his cup of coffee in his hand. He looked out. He saw the, the city was surrounded. He's like, oh, my goodness. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes. And he saw, and when he opened his eyes, he saw the fiery chariots around Elisha. All right, you say this is Elisha. I'm the servant. He's, I'm getting by Elisha. <laughs> right? Because Elisha's response was, they that be with us is more than be with them. He walked in that victory mindset. It's time that we walk in a victory mindset. Amen? We have the same faith that Elisha did. We have the same spirit of faith that Elisha did. Amen? It's the same faith. It comes from the same source. Hallelujah. Our faith has been bottled in heaven. Glory to God. And Jesus distributed it throughout the whole earth and is free. You can get your faith filled right, right here. We're a filling station for faith. Amen? If you're running low on faith, come to VCF. We'll tank you up. We, we, we got a faith tanker. Hallelujah. Never runs dry. Woo! He's got more than enough. Amen? 
You need a fill up? No, a fill up isn't good enough. You got to overflow. You can't just get filled up. You got to overflow. Why? Overflow affects others. Filling up just affects you, but overflow affects others. Amen. I want your bottle to spill out. And sometimes you might need to be shaken up a little bit for, in order for you to spew out, right? Sometimes we've got to shake up what's on the inside so it can come out. Amen? Well, I know that you guys are ready for the end. You're going to maintain a good attitude. You're going to walk the walk and talk the talk. Amen? Is there anybody that needs to be healing for this journey? Maybe you're dealing with a sickness in your body or an infirmity in your body, and you need to be healed. Our God's a healer. He demonstrated it. If you need healing, if you need to make an adjustment in your life, I'm not going to pray for you. To, I can't pray for you to make an adjustment. You've got to decide that you're going to do that in your, on your own. Amen? I want you to stand up with me. I want you to stand up. If you need healing, you're welcome to come and receive prayer for healing. Or if you need prayer for anything else in your life, Let's today, let's just strengthen our commitment to God. Say, Heavenly Father, I love your son, Jesus. He's my Lord and Savior. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He gives me everything I need, everything I want, and everything I desire. I abide in him. And he abides in me. And I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And I'm full of the fire of God. And I am equipped for success. I'm an overcomer in this life. And I'm going to follow Jesus till the end. With all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now shout about that a little bit. Hallelujah. And if there's anybody here that needs prayer for anything, why don't we just stretch forth our hands to those that may be watching. Father, we just give you thanks and praise for those that tune in to the Facebook uh, live or to the YouTube channel, Father. And we just thank you that as this word goes forth, it touches their hearts right where they are, Lord. Open their eyes of understanding and fill them with the goodness of God, Father, and just draw them close to you and give them success and victory in all that they do in Jesus' name. Amen.